the voice of the king. Sports Hub on 91.3 FM Stereo. Assalamualaikum. Welcome back to 91.3 FM Stereo with myself, Shafiq Sadiq, Faiz Davids and family, as well as Fatima Say joining us this evening. Uh, Fatima, how's it been thus far? Thus far, very exciting. You've, you've met him. I've uh, <laughs> been from, from tall to short and wide, broad yes, shoulders. All and, the way and from rugby, all fantastic. the way to tug of war. I'm glad you're enjoying yourself. Also with us, um, we're going from tug of war and rugby, we're going to climbing mountains. Kilimanjaro. People speak about Kilimanjaro. Basically, what you're looking at, you, you, you're seeing this mountain of snow in front of you. You don't actually see the mountain. You don't see the rocks. You just see snow in front of you. However, Uncle Ashim, Asalaamu Alaikum. Wa Alaikum Asalaam. How are you doing? Alhamdulillah, you guys. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. As you've heard Fatima saying, we've been having a ball of a time thus far. Um, now we're going to be doing some mountain climbing. And it, it's not just climbing any mountain. This is a goal of a lifetime. And it's a, an achievement if you do reach the top. But you've been in the game for some years. So let's first see who is, who is Hashim himself. Um, I'm retired. That's <laughs> my work. I retired last year. Um, I associated with Muslim Hands going back to 2012, where I first uh, did uh, the Great Wall of China with him. And then the same year, uh, in December, I did uh, Kilimanjaro. And after I said, well, that's the last time. But 2013, I got hooked in again, and I went to do Kilimanjaro again. 2013, I did it for, a, uh, 2014, I did it for a very different reason. Um, because we normally raise the funds for the schools, the orphans, uh, you know, the 11 schools that Muslim hands uh, assist in sub-Saharan Africa. Uh, 2014, they did it for the children of Syria. Uh, my son was diagnosed with cancer that mm. year, and uh, he got his inspiration, and you know, from the children of Syria and Gaza, and he said, you know, he can get to a doctor, they can't get to mm. doctors. I think you know about that yeah. conversation. You interviewed him, and uh, strange enough, Muslim hands did uh, Kilimanjaro that year for Syria, and I said, I cannot. You know, stay at home. I've got to do it for a third time. Uh, so I did it for a third time. 2015, Muslim Mans didn't do it. And uh, 2016, um, I retired and I do voluntary work for Muslim Mans and they asked me to assist to take, you know, some of the people up. And uh, I'm going to do it again this year. I'm crazy, but yeah, wow. I'm going to do it. Um, twice you've, you, you, you used a certain phrase and that is you retired. Um, no, you, you, you're fooling us here, Fatima. I mean, you're looking so young. It must be the climbing, <laughs> eh? It must be the climbing. Must be the um, exercise. So when is this next expedition happening? Uh, it's happening on the 2nd of August. We're leaving South Africa 2nd of August. And we should be back uh, on the 12th of August, inshallah. Okay, so it's, a, it's basically, it's about 10 days. It's 10 days there. Look, it includes your traveling. So mm. it's a day of traveling. Um, so we would leave on a Wednesday, we'll get there the Thursday, um, we just rest the afternoon. And the Friday we go to a little village called Chekareni village. Um, Muslim man is busy building a masjid there, there's an orphanage wow. uh, and uh, there's also a madrasa there. So that's a project that Muslim man mm. is actually running there. So we go there, we have Juma with the mm. community, we meet the people, we see how they're raising and how they're living, you know, how they're raising their own funds with chickens, breeding chickens and stuff like that. 
within uh, Katona around the place after Juma we have lunch with the children we have a meeting with the committee members of the masjid and they actually tell us what they require for next year you know to to do a bit of work at the masjid um, and they get given the money when we go the following year you can see it's actually been done so you know where the money is going every year mm. for that particular so you see project the, the progress you see the progress every year wow. and it's actually wonderful to see that how these people are actually making a living and we are so fortunate mm. and uh, this is actually the inspiration you know when you start climbing you know why you're doing it because you've met these children uh, you spend time with them you know and that is you know the most wonderful thing um how many people in the team this year south africa's got a record we are 24 again from south africa and there's five from the uk uh, it's normally organized by the uk um, we started very early this year when we came back Fakhri uh, Ahmadin and his group already in the office there um, having me to say they want to do it this year um, so they are a group of eight and the rest the guys from 15 guys from Cape Town the rest is from Johannesburg um, and then of course you have your doctors as well We've got three doctors in this group of oh, hikers, wow. so we're very fortunate this year. Normally we don't, there's no sort of a special doctor that goes with. Um, we normally see to ourselves, the guides are very well trained mm. and uh, they know what to look for, what signs to look for, and they actually tell us also what to look out for, you know, with the other participants. Fatima, I'm not too sure about you. I like cold weather. I, I can handle it. Um, but just thinking about... Um, Hashim himself is the group leader and having 24 others following him in snow they're having to follow his footsteps what do you think about this this great event I mean I, I, I can imagine it takes an, an awful amount of energy um, how much training have you done together as a or as a team or is everybody just doing I mean I know that uh, you're going to climb Kilimanjaro, so you can't do the normal hike, normal run of the mill, walking up uh, Lion's Head or climbing up Table Mountain. So what type of training do okay, you do? Okay, strange enough, that's actually what we've been doing. Really? Um, what I've done is, it's the first year that we're actually training, that I've undertaken, you know, to, to train people, because yeah. last year I went for the first time as you know to help people um, not as a fundraiser um, and it's you know it's a different experience uh, because now you're not looking after yourself you're responsible for other mm. people and uh, I only did two days last year in the month I only spent really? two days because one of the ladies that didn't declare her illness mm. uh, she was asthmatic she didn't declare she was asthmatic she didn't bring any medicines with she refused to drink water because she didn't want to use the mountain you know, because there's no toilets all yeah. over the place. And uh, she became ill. Uh, I mean, a seven-hour hike turned out to be 11 hours because she was struggling. Mm. And we were woken up at midnight by the other ladies to say she's ill. We had to phone an ambulance. That's actually the highest point after two days where the ambulance can go. Um, and uh, she was 23, and you can't let a young lady like that go down mm. with, you know, in a strange country. And uh, I... I was the one that sacrificed and said, look, I'll take her down. And you know, it's just as well I did that so we could get her to hospital, get the, the necessary treatment. 
Um, also, some of the other guys, when they got to the summit, they warned so that while they were rushed back down, so I could arrange accommodation, got them to for medical treatment as well. So I could organize. So I, you know, it was a different experience mm. for me. So I learned quite a lot just by, you know, doing that type of thing. I'm sure that the spirit is somewhat dampened when something like that happens. However, it also brings about a lot of experience with something like that. Yeah. Definitely does. Um, because then everybody else sort of look out after yeah. one another because they've seen what has happened, they talk about it, you know. So it does help the group as well. But as far as the training is concerned, what I did here is we choose routes similar to what we will experience on a mountain. Mm. You know, like if, for example, your last day, or your last climb when you go to the summit, it's very much similar to Platteklip Gorge and David mm. Mountain. It's mm. a zigzag up, okay. but obviously the altitude plays a major, you know, part of it. So you cannot walk the same way. You're basically shuffling. Um, okay, we need to go for ads. Um, what I want to get onto is... Um, a newcomer, you know, a, a stage where someone decides, okay, I want to do this, and now they need to get hold of this young man called Uncle Ashim, and they need <laughs> to find out from Uncle Ashim, do we have the right stamina, physique, do we have what it takes to become a, a professional hiker or mountain climber? So stay tuned, we'll be back after this break. Sports Hub on 91.3 FM Stereo. Welcome back to Sports Hub with myself Shafiq Siddiq and Fatima Said on the other side. Well, of course, we have Uncle Hashim, the young man who's going to be climbing, I think his fifth or sixth, his fifth um, Kilimanjaro hike. Um, but what we need to know is, is it just a climb? Is it just a walk? Is it steep, gradual? What are the terrains like? Or where do we start? Do you just walk out of the cabin and say, okay, today I'm walking. Okay, your first day you start, at, you know, we do the Maranga route. Um, it's also called the Pepsi-Cola route and the Coca-Cola route because it's a very popular route and uh, there are a lot of people on that route. So you start at 1,970 meters above sea level. That's basically twice the height of Table Mountain yeah. when you start. And you go through a rainforest. Uh, it's a distance of about 8 kilometers to... Mandara hut. Um, it could take you that eight kilometers can take you up to six hours to do because you go very very slowly um, The guides will keep on telling you poly poly which means slowly slowly and the main reason for that is to um, Get acclimatized If you don't if the, the if you walk fast, you know the acclimatizing and you start struggling um, because by walking slow it actually helps you. So your first day, you know, it's fine, the weather's comfortable, unless it really rains, like we had in 2013, it rained, and we all had our rain gear on, and it wasn't good enough. No matter how good your rain gear, we were soaked right through um, everything, your, until your underwear, your boots, inside, you know, you were totally soaked. So it, you know, it's very weather dependent. Sorry, Uncle Ashim, I just want to ask you, um, besides the rain, which is, you know, unpredictable. What are the temperatures like? The first day it's fine. It's 20 f between 26 and 30 degrees. It's fine and it's beautiful. It's wonderful. Um, because you don't start so early also. You start around about um, 11 o'clock the morning from the gate because there's a lot of uh, red tape that you have to go through. Everybody's got to sign in. 
the porters, all the stuff that they carry gets weighed again uh, before you're allowed to enter. So, you know, and that holds up the whole process. And the bigger the group, the longer it takes uh, for you to get through. So your first day, it's very comfortable. Um, when you get to your first hut, it's fine till it gets to when the sun sets, it becomes very, very cold. Uh, because then it, the temperature drops to about one degree already. Then from there on, every morning you'll be woken at five o'clock. Um, and it's normally very cold, misty there. Um, if, I, if I had the photos here, I could have shown you the photos. Uh, you know, you do your fajr salah, you get a... In actual fact, when you wake up, they wake up and at the door they will have a bucket with lukewarm water. Wow. So you could take wudu, brush your teeth and a whole lot. You will then do your fajr salah, you will go to the dining area, you will have your breakfast. Uh, they will actually check your oxygen level and your blood pressure for the first time um, to see if you're okay, they check your pulse and everything, they keep a record of it. That's in the morning. In the evening, they will do the same again. It's to monitor you to see how you, you know, you're taking the altitude. So, your next morning you've got an 11 kilometer walk. Um, you start in this rainforest again for about an hour and then you get into what they call the heath area, which is an open area. Um, some beautiful flowers, you get local flowers like mm. tears and stuff like that, you see, it's actually amazing. Um, but there's no shade. In the and the weather again, the mist would come up, you, you know, and the next minute the sun is shining again, you take off your jacket and mm. got to rush to put it on again, because that's how the weather changes. Um, when you get to Arambo, which is your second hut, you're then 3,720 meters above sea level. So you've done another thousand ki uh, meters, but it's 11 kilometer walk. So it's not that difficult a walk, but it's just the altitude yeah. that starts now, you know, affecting you, uh, because 3,700 is quite high. This, um, this group of approximately 25 to 30 people, um, does anyone lag behind? Do, do they get allowed to lag behind? Um, it depends how you adapt to it. Mm. Um, because you keep on being told, poly poly, so you will go slowly, so you listen to that because you want to acclimatize. Now you've got a guide in front, because what we do first of all, uh, from day one, we split uh, the group, the guys in one group and the ladies in the other group. So we, we split into two groups. The the guys normally go first, and the ladies afterwards. And for my sins, I have to look after the ladies. And uh, yeah, so if someone is a little bit slow, we've got one guide in front, mm. and I'll be at the back with another guide. So we will help this person that's struggling along, whether we have to carry a bag or whatever it is mm. to encourage her to feel how she's going. So yeah, you get people lagging behind. That had happened last year. Um, and it's very taxing on you mm. because you you know you expected to do this in five or eight hours and now you need the time takes longer um, but the guides I can tell you they're the most wonderful and humble people uh, they actually make you feel humble as well mm. they, you know the influence that they were I mean last year when we were lagging behind um, the others were already having tea at the hut and we were still about an hour and a half behind and they sent two guides down to bring us some tea wow. and biscuits, you know, to help us along. And they took all our bags to help us, you know, to carry because this is what the guides are like. 
So we're currently on day three, and we've uh, climbed. You yeah, know, we it's are, day three we are three thousand seven hundred. Yeah. Um, so what we do day three is we do what we call an acclimatizing hike. Um, we do about a six-kilometer hike to a place called Zebra Rock, and it's not called Zebra Rock for nothing. Because, for nothing, because the rock is actually looks like the stripes of a zebra. So it's actually unusual. It's beautiful. Uh, the first year I went, we were with an imam from the UK, and he went right on top of the rock and he did the adhan for us. Wow! For, you know, and it was just something I will never ever forget. You know, which was. Yeah, as I said, I'll never forget it. Mm. Uh, so we do this as an acclimatizing hike, and then we come back to Arambo Hut again. And then, you know, we start late 9 o'clock in the morning there to come back, and it takes three, four hours mm. uh, for us to do that. And then we relax the whole day because your fourth day really is a taxing day. You know, Fatima, um, listening to the scenery that is being painted and and just thinking of, you know, you, you're trying to, to visualize how the Imam got onto the rock and made the Adhan. I think to make Salah outside in, in nature is so phenomenal. It's, it's a great thing. I, I'm sure that it's something that everybody would like to experience, especially on a, a, a steep or gradual slope as Kilimanjaro. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's something, I will, as I said, I will never forget it, you know, just seeing him go up there and, and doing this for us. Your day four, and this is where people start coming short, mm. because um, you leave Orombo Hut, um, you go past the point of Zebra Rock, which is a turn off, and then you get into what they call an alpine desert, and it's not called the desert for nothing. Oh my word! And uh, you would ever think right up there there's a desert. There's a desert. Mm. There is absolutely no virtually nothing growing there. Um, there's no toilet facilities, there's absolutely nothing, because on other sort of routes there's a toilet here and there, um, but here there's nothing, and it's an icy wind that, that you get head on. It's a long walk to get to the base camp, which is called Kibohat. Um, it could take you up to nine hours to get to Kibohat. Um, when you get to keep out, you're actually at 4,700 meters above sea level. And that's why oh. I said, you know, you really, this is where it starts, you know, really hitting you very, very hard because it's very, very cold. The temperature hovers around one degree minus, you know, and, and so on. Um, and people really start struggling. Mm. Um, if you want to eat something, there's a point where we just sit down there and you eat, whatever, you know, because you get a lunchbox every day, so that does help. Uh, but there's this icy wind uh, that really, really sort of hits your heart because you're facing it, it's head on, and you're struggling, you know, trying to breathe. Um, and when you get to, to Kibo Hut, uh, just before you get to Kibo there's a little hill that you have to climb up. You can see the hut, and you're already so tired, and uh, yeah, when you get there, you just can't wait to put your, you know, your gear, your backpack down and go and lie down. Uh, in 2013, when we went, uh, we had this worst weather in 25 years, and you don't realize it. They 
took a photo and I got to the hut and I was covered in ice and sleet, <laughs> you know, and I wasn't even aware of it. Yeah. Um, that's how cold it got that year. Uh, but here you can feel, uh, you know, the cold already and this is where, you know, you're just looking for something warm. So that is actually the start of the change of, of weather. Yeah, uh, and the change of scenery. The weather becomes, uh, you know, extreme. Yeah, uh, the scenery changes. Um, but yes, you're there. You can't wait to have mm. your warm tea and a biscuit. You gotta lie down. They tell you to lie down um, till supper time, which is normally around about seven. You have your supper. They tell you. Now you get your gear ready for your final, uh, you know, to go to the summit. Um, Put your gear out, make sure it's there ready and go lie down until about 10.30. You then get another cup of tea and a biscuit. You start getting dressed in this cold weather and you're already starting shivering because it's now minus 10 degrees. Um, we all get told, now you take your backpack, you go outside, you go line up. So you're standing there waiting for everybody else, you know, so you try and be not the last person to be out of that. <laughs> Um, you line up there and uh, at 12 o'clock the evening when it's pitch dark you then start your final oh. ascent. You've only got your headlamp uh, and the headlamp is there basically for you not to see where you're going up there to see because you don't look up. It's very very bad and demoralizing to look up because in any case you can't see anything it's pitch dark because there are no lights unless you see the headlamps of somebody else mm. up there. Um, so your focus is then on a pair of feet in front of you. So headlamp, you're just looking down, you're looking at that pair of feet in front of you and you're following that pair of feet all the way. Um, there'll be one guide for every two people, two okay. participants. Um, the reason for that also is that if you can't go carry on, that guide will take the one person back and you will just join up with the next group and eventually a lot of people start falling out uh, because the altitude hits them, mm. the cold hits them um, and uh, people become ill and I think you all know about the mountain sickness yes. as you get there um, there are two very dangerous ones, there's the one where it affects your brain um, there you still got a very good chance of survival uh, if we get you down quick enough, and I experienced that myself with one of the ladies that we had there. She became so delirious, and we in minus 15 degrees, and she's getting hot. She takes off her jacket, sits down, and says, okay, now I'm ready again. Five minutes later, I feel like chocolates, and she wants chocolates, so you give her the chocolates, and she becomes, she doesn't want to go back, I'm fine. And then later the gloves come off, and then eventually, I said to her, you have to go back. She wouldn't, she was kept on saying fine. I said to her, there's a cave halfway up the mountain called Ninawa Cave. She said, we're going to get you that cave because after this cave it becomes more difficult. Mm. Um, and then you can say you have achieved something, but you have to go back. And uh, fortunately to us, she listened, so she went back. So if you get the down, you know, someone down, then it's all fine. But when you get the, the one where it affects your lungs, you don't have a chance because you it's just like pneumonia, you're drowning your lungs and you can't get people down quick enough and that's where people actually die on the mountain. Cool. Um, that's, yeah, that's the reality, that's a sad part of it. So the guides are really trained, we look after one another, 
um, to see you know, if you can carry on. If you can't carry on, you don't force yourself to carry on. You make up your mind and say, I can't do it. I'm going to go back to that. So day five is actually the day where after 12 o'clock um, yeah. you start walking. That is actually the day that you will reach the, uh, the summit. The summit. The, uh, the peak. Yeah. Um, a lot of people don't know it, but there are three summit points on Kilimanjaro. Uh, but just before I get to those three summit points, this is actually the longest day because you're starting 12, 12 o'clock. Um, and you have to do something like 32 kilometers, and it will take you 17 hours Whoa. to do that 32 kilometers because you're going to go up and you're going to come down to the hut, have a cup of tea, and you go back to Arambo straight away. Um, so yeah, you would, you know, it's long and uh, it takes a lot out of you, you know, you have to be very fit to do that, you have to control your breathing um, and, but, you know, you can do all kinds of training you want, but this part, there is no training for it. You cannot train somebody because you don't know what the altitude is going to do, because the altitude is primarily, you know, if you can survive the altitude. You can do it because you've got all the time in the world. The guides have got the porters, and they've got all the patience to get you there. And their main aim is to get you up there on a mountain. So, yeah, it's 17 hours. Your first point that you will reach is called Gilman's Point, and that's 5,685 meters above sea level. When, and that will take you from uh, Kibo Hut, it could take you up to eight hours to get to that point. So it's just under a thousand meters that you you can get because you go up zigzag very similar as i said to plateau club gorge you, you know uh, but the altitude plays you just shuffle all your feet and every after three four shuffles you stand and then you start shuffling again and that's the only way you actually get up there um, i've spoken to some guys and they said to me they've, they've taken 12 13 hours to get people to the summit and then your next point would be stellar point which is 5700 meters above sea level so that's just so you've only gone a thousand uh, meters really and now you're ready into your nine ten hours and you can see Stella point from where it's just across the road from yeah. here to Durham Avenue but it could take you an hour to get there um, and then of course the ultimate is Uhuru point which is uh, 5895 meters above sea level there it's something like 500 meters from where you are but it takes you two hours to get there again the altitude um, it plays a major role there um, but once you get there the emotion it's you cannot describe it to anyone because people have different I mean I've seen guys cry like babies mm. when they get there just because they've reached that point um, actually there's snow up there um, there's the icebergs that you see, you're very close to the icebergs um, and I've seen guys just throw themselves down in the snow and just lie <laughs> there you know, for a few minutes. Um, you don't actually stay long up there because of the cold, um, it can do a lot of damage, yeah. so you spend 10 minutes and have a few photographs taken uh, for mementos, plant a flag or whatever you yeah. want to do there and yeah, then that's it, you turn back 
and you go all the way back. Then it goes down much quicker to get to Kibwat. We're going to go down now, but we're first going to the to the shop to pay some bills. When we come back, we'll still have Uncle Hashim in, in studio. Stay tuned. Sports Hub on 91.3 FM Stereo. Welcome terug by the stem van die kaap, 91.3 FM Stereo, ons het van Ankel Hashim, so Ankel Hashim, klim nou die beeg, soos ons sê op die 15e van die poase, ons is op die beeg, nou gaat ons gewoon afdrans, Ankel Hashim, we've reached a point, we've uh, taken a couple of photos, we're on top of the uh, the peak, which is uh, Kilimanjaro, that we're speaking about, this trip is happening on the 2nd of August, and you'll be back on the 12th yeah. of August, 12th of August yeah. so, um, 25 people in total will be in 30 t- in total 30 yeah. what does it take for someone to to get to be part of the group well yeah um i think it's i don't think anybody's going to start registering now mm. because basically you do an online registration there's some people have been registered once to register for next year already wow. there's one or two people that's done that um this year, uh, over the last few years, we've been raising, each participant raises 45,000 rand, um, you know, and uh, it covers your EFA and your accommodation and the entry fee into the park. Um, and the rest of the money goes to uh, the schools or orphanages that we involve in. Uh, so you register and obviously you have to do a lot of training. Uh, we've done... 14 sessions already uh, tomorrow we're doing the first session after Ramadan uh, there's some of the guys that's actually been hiking during Ramadan just to keep fit uh, for tomorrow for example we're doing the five dams we're starting at uh, Constantia Nick and we'll go all the way to Ili Hutchinson and back again that's about a five and a half hour to six hour you know hike and this is what we've been doing uh, going we'll park in Burkap uh, Rose Street and then we'll walk all the way up to the last bench on Lion's Head before the chains and then we'll walk back again you know because that's the type of thing that we you expect to do on Kilimanjaro mm. uh, and no. that's a training that we do here so yeah you have to do a lot of fundraising and uh, yeah um, and be fit I'm thinking you've mentioned that um, 17 hour hike on the last to get to the summit yeah. That is doing the comrades twice basically in one day, <laughs> which is crazy. However, um, how can people actually support this venture by pledging to towards an individual or to the group? Um, there's one, there's a group, there's Fakhria Mardin's group, and everybody else, you know, we're individuals mm-hmm. and we're raising each one, raising, uh, you know, the money. Each one of us has got a donor ID. And uh, so the money gets into the uh, Muslim man's account, and obviously the reference would be KM, which is Kilimanjaro 2017, and your donor ID. Um, so, yeah, that's basically, you know, uh, like people contact you and they say, I believe you're doing it. Can I give you a donation? And they will, you know, we'll give them the details. And it's, I've, I've been using Facebook and uh my WhatsApp friends and send it to them and Alhamdulillah the donations have come in. People are giving their sakah, their sadaka, mm. um, you know, towards it or just Lila to, to assist us in uh, what we're doing. Fantastic. We can sit here for hours. I'm bewildered with, with just from day one until day five and um 
And yeah. we, we, we still need to get to the 6, 7 where we come it's down and descend and so on. However, we've run out of time. But, um, you know, Akashim from, from our side, thanks once again for coming in. Um, please give us your details with regards to people wanting to pledge. Mm-hmm. If it is your Facebook page or whichever way they can get hold of you. Okay, I'm on Facebook or you can get me on 083-629-4298. That's my cell number. And then I'll send you all the banking details uh, that you can, uh, you know, donate, uh, whether Sadaka, Saka or Lilla. Um, it is for a very good cause. It's for orphans and to help them with their education, feeding them and, you know, and even upholding the schools as well. So the number is 83 629-4298. That is for Uncle Hashim. You can get him on Facebook as well. Surname? Uh, Nasiruddin. Nasiruddin. N-A-C-E-R-O-D-I-E-N. Okay, that is for Uncle Hashim Nasiruddin. And uh, if you wish to pledge towards this, you can do so. Zaka, Sadaka, Lilla. Um, all these will be done via an institution by the name of Muslim mm-hmm. Hands. And they will do justice with regards to your contribution. Remember, Uncle Hashim will be climbing. And each step that he'll be taking is for his enjoyment. But it's a step for your pledge as well. So, Uncle Hashim, from our side, any last words? Um, I'd just like to wish the group that's going all the best and to try and keep on training until the very last day that we go. Uh, it's not easy, it's very challenging, and uh, inshallah we'll all get to the summit this year. I mean, I mean, yeah. Uh, pictures, please. We'll, we'll be waiting. Yeah, I'll um, definitely send you some pictures. Yeah, from the 2nd to the 12th, and they will be back in Cape Town. And they can share their moment. Inshallah, we'll have Uncle Hashim in studio to, to share us, to share with us his moment. Assalamu alaikum to you. Wa alaikum salam and shukran for inviting me. Have fun.